Israel. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. I want to home in on that part there in bold. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. He told his disciples to wait. Waiting on the Lord is one of the most difficult aspects of the Christian life. When Jesus promised he would return, he instructed his followers to wait. Waiting is easier said than done. Who knows that? It's much easier to talk about waiting than it is to wait. Waiting is part of life. So what do we do in the meantime while we are to wait? Well, just hold that thought. I've got a couple of other thoughts to share first. Firstly, waiting on the Lord requires patient trust. Waiting means that we believe God knows what he's doing. Waiting is God's way of seeing if we will trust him before we move forward. Waiting on God reminds us that God is in control. Waiting tells me that I'm not in charge. Waiting reminds me that I am not God. Waiting on the Lord allows God to do his work. Waiting, uh, God's time is best. Is it working? It's on. There you are. Rick Warren once said, God is never in a hurry, but he's always on time. Waiting on God increases my strength. God is working. No one likes to wait, but waiting is a part of life. It happens every day. We have to wait for something. We wait in traffic. We wait for the train. We wait for the bus. We wait for the aeroplane. We wait in a holding pattern. We wait in queues. We wait for the people ahead of us. We wait for the doctor in the waiting room. We wait for a job. We wait for promotion. We wait for retirement. We wait for blessing. And we wait for the Lord's return. Waiting is not just something that we have to do until we get what we want. Waiting is a process of us becoming what God wants us to be. God wants us to wait on him. What God does in us while we wait is as important as what we wait for. Biblical waiting is not a passive waiting for something to happen. Biblical waiting is not a passive waiting around. It's not a fatalistic uh, resignation. It is not a way to un, uh, evade unpleasant reality. Pastor Ben shared last week, waiting does not mean doing nothing. Waiting means paying attention and listening to what God's got to say for it, to us, what he's going to do for us. And what, how do we know that? How do we know what he's going to do? How do we know what he wants? We have to just ask him and then listen for his answer. All too often we run on ahead of God and we don't allow him to actually give us clear instructions. And then guess what? Do we get it right? No, we get it wrong. Waiting does not mean doing nothing. 
Those who wait are those who walk, uh, sorry, work, because they know that their work is not in vain. Who's ever been in a rural or farming environment? Lived in one or worked in one or whatever. So when a farmer plants a crop, what does he do? He plants the crop, he sets the irrigation system, and then what's he do? He waits. Can he speed up the harvest? Is there anything he can do to expedite it? No, he has to wait. And he has to wait for the crop to grow and mature before it can be harvested. He has to wait right through the growing season and then the harvest. Those who wait on God can go about their lives and their assigned tasks confident that God will provide the meaning and the conclusions to their lives and the harvest will come. Whilst the farmer is waiting for the harvest, does he sit around and do nothing? He gets on with other things. He does other work. There is a reward for waiting and we know that we will reap that reward as long as we wait on God. When Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem, he was waiting, he was telling them that waiting is a means of experiencing his peace, his prosperity and his power. In waiting, they would catch the wind of the Holy Spirit and they would see God move. Waiting on the Lord requires trust. If we don't wait on God, what are we demonstrating? That we don't trust him. We're demonstrating that maybe we think that we know better. Maybe we think he doesn't know what he's doing. But that's not the case at all. Waiting on God requires trust. In waiting, the, the disciples saw the Holy Spirit move. Waiting on God reminds us that God is in control. But what do I do while I'm waiting? Well, that's a good question. Those who wait need to take on the active role of a watchman. That's not the right one. Yes, it is. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait in the morning. You know, in the biblical times, um, when, uh, when a city went to sleep at night, they had watchmen who would patrol around and make sure that things like enemies wouldn't come or that nothing went wrong. And they, those watchmen would be very vigilant. They would be observing. Anything out of the norm, they would report. They watched for enemies they, and they waited for the sun to come up. Now, can a watchman do anything to expedite the sun coming up? No, they waited. They did their job while they waited. They waited for the sun to come up. They waited for day to, the new day to dawn. They didn't control the sun. They couldn't speed anything up. They knew their job and they knew the difference between their job and God's job. Waiting reminds me that I'm not in charge. So in a doctor's waiting room, what do we do? We watch TV, we read, we chat, we wait. We wait until our name is called. In the real issues of life, we're not just waiting around. We are waiting for God, waiting on God. I can trust his wisdom and his timing. I've heard it said before, whoever waits on God loses no time. 
It is not a waste of time to wait on God. Just because I'm waiting for someone does not mean that I'm doing nothing. I'm waiting on someone, and that someone is God. Waiting reminds me that I'm not God. Aren't you glad about that? I'm glad about that too. But, you know, as a man, I want to fix things. What, who men around here want to fix things? We all do. We want to fix things. I want to fix my problems. I want to fix my relationships. I want to fix my conflicts. I want to fix my career. I want to fix my life. Fixing and controlling systems and uh, situations and people is like trying to expedite the rising of the sun. It is not our job. It is God's job. From time to time, I have to be reminded that I'm not God. My job is to be a watchman. I need to have a watchman's attitude, a confident and alert expectation that God will do what he said he will do. And sometimes that's not easy. Sometimes you find yourself trying to hurry God along. But that's like bashing your head against a brick wall. Waiting on the Lord allows God to do his work. Not only do I sometimes try to do God's work, but I find myself wanting to try and speed things up. I find myself wanting to do God's job for him. How, how often do we have in a situation where maybe we're trying to teach somebody something um, and uh, everything's going a bit slow and we might get frustrated and we say, come on, get out of the way, I'll do it. Do we do that with God? Sometimes we probably do. As I understand it, the missionary William Carey waited seven years for his first convert in India. And so did Adoniram Judson in Burma. These guys waited seven years before God gave them their first converts to be able to be missionaries. I sometimes see things that we could and should be doing. I see many unmet needs. I see hurts in people. I drive around the area and I see many people that are going to be spending eternity without God. And I say, we need to reach those people. And then I say, I question God and I say, hey, why not now? Why not bring this to pass today? But then I'm reminded God's timing is best. I grew up in a time when there were certain sayings that parents used to use all the time. And some of the old ones here would remember this. If I asked my mother if I could do something and she said no and I questioned that, the first answer was mother knows best. Anyone ever heard that saying? Mother knows best. When, when I was at school, you asked the teacher something. Teacher knows best. Or when dad was home on weekends, dad knows best. When, as an adult, maybe we're not thinking mother knows best anymore, but how about our heavenly father knows best? How about... God knows best. God does know best. I used to think as a child that anybody, any adult, anybody in any kind of authority knew best. Well, as an adult, God is still in authority. God is still in charge. God is still in control. So God knows best. In the Old Testament book of Habakkuk, the prophet was asking similar questions. Habakkuk 2, 1-3. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and, will answer, uh, and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord re replied, 
Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. God is working. During those times, we wait patiently on the Lord. We know deep down that he is working. And while it may be underneath, while it may be something happening, happening inside us, in our hearts, while it may be something that we're not really aware of what's going on, we know that God is working deep within our character. And in due time, God will reveal everything he's grown in us. Those who wait will never be put to shame. They will never be disappointed. Waiting on God increases my strength. Sometimes I struggle to remember what is good to wait, that it's wait for God. You know, how many people have kids who have been away on a bit of a holiday and the kids are in the back and you're driving along? What do the kids say? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Do we do that with God? Maybe that's a little bit trivial, but sometimes I wonder whether God's thinking, oh, here we go again, are we there yet? I wonder whether that's what it sounds like to God. We're just in too much of a hurry. Um, who, who's seen the film, the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? In there, there's a specific scene that stands out to me. There's this little sport little girl, sport little rich kid. And there's, I can't remember what it was, it was at the Oompa Loompa Looms or whatever it was. And she wanted one to take home. And what did she say to her dad? I want one of them. I want one of them. I want it now. Is that how she carried on? Do we do that with God? Just a thought. But there's a hidden benefit in waiting. That whole movie about Willy Wonka and the, and the Chocolate Factory, when you're looking behind it, it's all about waiting. All those kids that have won those tickets, that got those tickets, what do they have to do to get the prize at their very end? Wait. They just had to wait. But one by one, they all dropped off the radar, as it were. One by one, they couldn't wait. And so they were no longer a part of it. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We've had that scripture the last couple of weeks. So if there's one thing you can take away from the last two or three weeks of preaching is Isaiah 40, 31. The time will come when those who wait on the Lord will soar. You and I, the whole church, the whole church at large, will catch a gust of the Spirit. And it was this same gust of the Spirit that the disciples were waiting on in Jerusalem when they were instructed to wait. It's that same gust that we need to wait on. And when it comes, hang on because we'll be soaring. God is the great mover. And if we wait on him, wait in patient trust, remembering that God is in control doing his work to increase our strength, we will experience the move of God in our lives and here on our church. Last scripture. Matthew, 30, uh, Matthew 6.33 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I've got some illustrations just as we finish. Julie, can you come and play for us, please? The Chinese bamboo tree is one of the most remarkable plants on earth. It is so strong that it is used as scaffolding around buildings. In Western cultures, we use steel tubing for that. Once the gardener plants the seed, it will see nothing but a single shoot coming from the bulb. And that takes four or five years. In that four or five years, that tiny shoot must be watered daily, but it only grows to less than 25 millimetres. That's that much. It'll only grow that much in five years. At the end of the five years, the Chinese bamboo will perform an incredible feat. It will grow to an amazing 28 metres tall in 90 days. So here's a question. When did the tree actually grow? Did it grow in the first five years or during that last 90 days? The answer lies in what was happening to the plant. During that first five years, it was developing a fibrous root structure that spread quite some distance and wide in the ground. And it was preparing to support the incredible heights that the tree will eventually reach. As the plant matured, it was worth the wait. There was a time of preparation. The plant had to wait for five years for the preparation to occur till it could finally shoot up to be the, the tree that it, that it is. Second thought. Um, ornithologists, they're the scientists that study birds, say that birds have three methods of flight. They have a flapping, which is a constant motion of the wings. And we see that in America, they see it as hummingbirds. Over here, we could see it in honey eaters. And they use that to counteract gravity. Flapping keeps them in the air, but it's a lot of hard work. The second is gliding. Here, the birds build up enough speed and then it coasts down for a while until gravity takes over and then it's got to start flapping back up again. It's much more graceful than flapping, but it doesn't get the bird very far. The third way is soaring. Less than 25 species of bird, such as eagles and albatrosses, are capable of soaring. What they do is that they spread their wings and they ride on thermal currents that come upwards from the Earth's surface. Eagles' wings are so strong that they're capable of catching currents of warm air. Eagles have been clocked at up to 130 kilometres an hour without flapping at all. That's pretty good. They just soar on columns of air. Isaiah 40:31 tells us, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. Who wants to be able to soar like an eagle? Who wants to be able to ride those thermal currents without very much effort? Who wants to be able to do things that the Holy Spirit enables them to do? They will mount up with wings as eagles. Each of us can do that, but we have to wait on the Holy Spirit. Wait on that same gust of wind from the Holy Spirit that the disciples experienced 
when Jesus instructed them to wait. If we try to advance the work of God before he's ready for us to do it, we're not going to grow tall like the bamboo tree. We're not going to have a root structure strong enough to support that. We're not going to be able to soar like an eagle. We're going to be flapping like a honey eater or a hummingbird. We're going to be doing a lot of work, but not getting very far. But waiting on God enables us to renew our strength. It enables us to mount up with wings as eagles. It enables us to be able to run and not be weary. But the thing we have to do before any of that can happen is seek first the kingdom of God. We have to make sure that God is in control, not us. We have to make sure that we tap into what God has to say, that we follow his instructions. There may be some here this morning who've been struggling with something, who've been wanting something to happen and feeling frustrated. A couple of other thoughts. When we wash a floor and it's wet, what are we going to do to see it dry? Wait. When we paint a wall, Before we can touch it, what do we do? Wait for it to dry. When we want God to move in our lives, what are we going to do? Wait for his timing and allow him to do his work. If there's some here that would like a touch from God this morning that have been frustrated with waiting, you've been trying to do things yourselves, then maybe if you'd like some prayer, perhaps just slip your hand up and allow others around you to come and pray with you. Because God wants to do business this morning. God wants to be able to touch you where you need to be touched. God wants to reassure you that he is in control and he's doing his work, but he's doing it according to how he sees it needs to be done.